Father, we think of that great day, that great time in the book of Genesis when the Spirit of God would move on a dark earth and begin to bathe it and as a prophet would declare, make love to it. Lord, that Spirit, the great eternal Spirit, Elohim, Lord, the self-existing one, Lord, but you've moved, you've expanded, O oh Lord, yourself. And Lord, now you're Jehovah who dwells and exists with a family and with a people. Oh, Father, we depend on your spirit this morning. May it still move on hearts this morning. May our hearts be opened. May they not be hardened or, 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 or just, Lord, a place that you couldn't penetrate, but Lord, soften our hearts. Open our hearts to receive the, the, the engrafted word, O oh Lord. By, Father, that alone can save us. This morning, Father, as we sit in your house and under the banner of your word, we want your spirit to rule and reign. We want it, O oh Lord, to have the preeminence. Lord, we want you, Father, that you could just move in every life. We're spirit beings, Lord, but... We're asking, Lord, that you would just work in our various channels, the levels we're in. And Father, just bring us into a greater relationship with you. Wherever we're at today, Lord, open our eyes. May we be better, oh Lord, empowered to walk in this Satan's Eden that we live in. Father, help us, that give us eyes to see, give us a heart to hear. And Lord, that we can receive from you. Bless your people this morning. Take the vessel, the speaker. Use us, everyone, for your glory. 
And Lord, forgive us our shortcomings. Not one of us, O oh Lord, is righteous, but the blood of Jesus alone is our righteousness. Bless your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you to musicians. I'll invite you to go to the book of Genesis. We'll read in two places, and we'll read in the book of Ephesians also. But we'll read in Genesis chapter 1. We'll read one verse there. Last week we took a service. This will be part two on the expressed image identified in you. And we spent a fair bit of time talking about the masculine image, the attribute that God placed in that image. Today we're going to overlap, speak on the feminine attribute. And this will not be the last service on this. There's in this age of gender confusion, it's the enemy that is coming and he would try to instill that in a spiritual form in us as a church. And so we want to be able to recognize that. And I, I, I want to be able to receive the word that we have. And I believe God has sent it to us for a purpose to prepare us for a rapture. Genesis 1 verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Genesis 5 verse 1. Genesis 5, Genesis, did I say Ephesians there, Ethan, I'm sorry. It's Genesis 5 verse 1. If we can read that. This is the book of the generations of Adam in the day that God created man in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. The woman had a place under the man. Her name was under the man. That, that's God's order. I, I, we, I, I don't, you can just say, well, I, I wish I would have been the man. And well, just accept what God made you and accept what he wants. The, the rest of the world doesn't want to do that. They want to be something different. I want to be what God made me. I, I want to be content with that. I want to accept that this morning. Ephesians 5, Ephesians 5 Verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church 
and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. God bless his word. You may have your seats. As we shared last week, there's a great need for us to be found in our correct roles. And, and that is not just by what we wear or a title, a mister or a missus. It's not just by, um, you know, how we, we, we would act and say, but it actually needs to be reflected in our spirit realm. And the devil is always trying to bring us out of position. And where we want to go is into our correct position. Because when we're in our position, that's when God works for us. That's when we have power before God. That's what God has designed. So as shared last week, there's a great need for the masculine role. For real men to stand in their place and to be respected, for them to take ownership, authority, responsibility for the home, for themselves, for their wives. And then that, that has to reflect in the church. And it has to reflect in the church because as Christ loved the church, you know, there was a role that, that he had for the church. He gave himself for the church. He stands for the church. He protects the church. It, it, it's, it's him that is our defense. You know, many times we want to protect the message. We, we want to do it. Yeah, we need to take a stand. But believe me, you stand behind him, and he will stand behind you. Now, there are... And, and we took this with the thought that I'm, I'm moving to, I don't know, I'll take a few services yet on this, but there's a role that we as a church, as a bride, as a people need to have. And I will say it this way, there is a church world, and yet there is a bride that is coming out of a church world, a bride of his own choosing. There was an exodus in in the Old Testament, where a natural people came out of a natural land. Israel came out of Egypt. There was an exodus in the time of Jesus where a spiritual people came out of a natural people. And so it was a church that came out of a natural laws and rules and regulations. But now in this last day, there is a spiritual people coming out of the church, a bride coming out of a church. And the prophet would address it and say, they are two different people under two different covenants. Now, we, we need to recognize where we are and, and to recognize the place that we have in Christ because all blessings are in him and I want to be found in him. As, as Paul would say, many churches in this last day are, are going under the modern trend. Uh, whatever 
um, the world would want. That's what we do. You can, they can say that's our motto because it'll bring more members. It'll be more attractive. It'll, it'll be more that way. But God has never changed his mind about his way. So the, the church has to adopt her role and say, be it unto me according to your word. In other words, not what I say, not what I include. And we all need to recognize no matter where we grew up, whether we grew up in the 1940s or the 50s and the 60s, and I, I don't know how many people are here from that, those eras. I, I, I see Brother Glenn is back. God bless you, Brother Glenn. Nice to have you back. I just identified you as one of the old timers in our church here. But God bless you. We love you. <laughs> and and I, I would say whatever we came out of, there still has to be a washing of the water by the word so that we can take our proper position. And even if you receive the Spirit of God or an anointing on your, and the anointing can come on your spirit realm, but when it really comes into your soul, it'll start to reflect in your attitude, in your demeanor, in how we act, in how we talk, and in how we live. So we, we, we recognize that we need to be, and what this age needed in, in a modern Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, as, as it was said, if God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah back then for the sins they had, then he's obligated to do it again. And the world has gone into a Sodom condition exponentially over the last number of years. In, in the last 20 years, not only... You know, gay rights have been around, gays, the, the gays has been there, but gay rights has increased, and we just want to be recognized. Well, it wasn't enough. We want the same rights as married people. We want this, and now they want more. And they want not only to be accepted, they want all, everyone who doesn't agree or see it to also accept and sympathize with what they do. That was the spirit in Sodom. That's the spirit today. And so that's what happens in the fabric of a people in the world. But that also moves over into a spiritual church realm. And so these influences are there. You can say, well, we're not denominational. But denominational influence can come into us if we allow it or we permit it. And so these things need to be spoken. So I trust this isn't received. And as I said last week, I said, I don't want to apologize for speaking things. And if we have to apologize, I believe we all need to come back to the Bible and say, Lord... Let my, if, if my faith doesn't agree with this, we can all recognize that this is the standard. This is what we want. And it says, if my faith doesn't agree with this, then Lord, change my mind that it will agree with this. Change my spirit, my heart to do it. Now, so I say, whatever era we grew up out of, there was influences attached to us. And when we come to Christ, those things had to come off. 
whether it was hairstyles or fashion styles or a way of thinking on something, we are continually being washed. But why are we being washed? That he may present to him a perfect church, a church without spot or wrinkle. So many churches have adopted a feminine role a feminine role when really it needs to be the masculine Christ reigning in the church. And we a church is identified as a woman. This will be in the future. So I will reference the message oneness as I did last week. In the Garden of Eden, it was perfect harmony with God. I'm just going to summarize this as I talk. I won't read the full quote verbatim. There was perfect oneness, God and his creation... God speaking lip to ear with Adam, they were in perfect harmony with God till they were one with God. God and his family was one. And he would reflect that into the natural. Any man and his family, a correct, good, noble, obedient family, is one with another, any family. If there's something in the family that moves them apart, then it's not right, it's broken somewhere. They should all be one, father with mother, mother with father, children with parent, parent with children, all in agreement. Then you'll see a lovely picture. That's God's purpose as a father, supreme, to be one with his family, his earthly family. And the only way they could be one was that God's nature was in them. So it's not just, I'll conform to the rules and regulations. I I will say, if, if we hold the standard of what we call the message up, and we try to live it in our old nature, you will be the most miserable person that ever could be because none of us can live to it. But when we surrender to God and say, Lord, your will, not my will, and then his spirit comes, or he actually gives you a spirit that is a nature to agree. And when you agree with the word, then you're set in motion to become one with him again. But as long as we're resisting, as long as we're just going through the form without the nature behind it, we are missing something. So I say, Lord, give me a spirit like your spirit. Give me a nature like your nature. Lord, don't let me adopt. Let me in the natural be the masculine part. Let me give respect to the feminine part. But Lord, in, in the spiritual form, let me not diminish your masculinity over me. Let me be submissive to you as the bride of Christ. There's a principle that that Paul would would try to bring in play here. Now, as much as the masculine is necessary, so is the feminine spirit. And I will say, it's not just something you put on by the type of clothes or the perfume or, 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 or something like that. It's actually a reflection that's a part of the original image. So it is from within. And, and when we accept the part that we play and we accept it, it's a beautiful thing. It, it is not 
a wearisome thing for a man to take his position, neither is it for a woman to take her place beside a man. Neither is it for the church to take all the word of God. If you're born for this end time to be a part, it, it is actually in us. Even though sometimes we don't see it that way, and maybe God has to work with us to bring us that way. But there is a natural and there is a spiritual. Now, if I, if I can say, you know, we, we are living in this age of gender confusions, and I'm going to spend a little bit of time reflecting on how that came into the earth, how it dwells in the earth, how it started with some seeds, and it's coming to maturity. So now I, I, I will take my time purposely today, and, and I am, I'm doing this because I feel it's important that we don't just take quotes and say, well, that's this and that's this. No, I think we need to see what's happening around us. It, it, the, the devil comes by subtility. He, he comes in cunningness and in, and in flatteries. And, he, and sometimes he's moving and we don't even recognize it. Sometimes we, we, can, we can open up to something and we, we don't even realize what we've opened up to. And there's a heaviness and there's a, a spirit that comes on us and, and we don't understand it. But when God delivers you, it's like a weight that comes off you. But you never saw the weight coming on you because it comes slowly, slowly, slowly. But oh, let's be clean. Let's be children of God, free of the devil's vices. So he will say in the natural to the spiritual, this is also out of the message, oneness. When the oneness in fellowship with, was broken between God and his children, the minute she, Eve, and she didn't even have a name Eve until after that. Before that, she was known as just under Adam. Now I ask you, the age we live in, when, when women want their own identity, their own name, I will say there, there is something that's not like it was in the original. Now he says this, he says, because she disbelieved one little word, she had to believe it all. Now the oneness between her husband and the wife was broken. And he says, no marriage can be what it ought to be without a union between husband and wife and God. A threefold cord is not easily broken. As soon as the fellowship was broken between Adam and Eve... As soon as their fellowship was broke between God and them, their fellowship between each other was broken. And he says, anytime a church breaks itself, in, breaks its fellowship to throw itself into organization, the fellowship of believers is broke. You've got to believe with one heart, one mind, one accord. That's the way they was before the union was ever made on the day of Pentecost. One heart, one mind, one accord. Now I'm, I'm going to drop this in because there is a lot being said about coming back to Pentecost and we need to come to it. 
But it's not coming to just manufacture something. It's coming to the 10 days that they were in an upper room. And the 10 days was what? So they would cleanse their hearts of everything. That they would come into a place where it was not them, not the man's thinking, where it was just a group of people who were sitting there to, to fulfill the word of God. And it was God that came to the word. So we've got to be vessels that are open and say, Lord, here's my cup. I lift it up before you, Lord. I don't want to be guilty of, of, of trying to prove who I am by, by something. But Lord, here's my heart. You vindicate what's in my heart. Now, I, I, I'm saying this, and, and I'll come to it in future services, but we want to see all of God in us. We want to go back to what he had what it was in the beginning, what it was in the original, his original way of dealing with the Gentile church, and coming back to the very same. We need to be there. Now, let's, let's just, I'm going to take a couple of thoughts here. I, I, again, sometimes when we say these things, let me, let me just come to it. I'm not going to try and explain what I'm going to say. I'm just going to read it to start here. Now, let me just say, to, to adopt our correct position, you will not get it in fashion magazines. You will not get it in what the world will offer or all the explaining, but you will get it before the throne of God under the banner of the message because I believe that's what God is bringing a bride into maturity. Now, he will say this, in the message, questions and answers, when God took a piece, taken from his side, a piece of him, a rib, and made a woman, where did he get the spirit of the woman? He said, he repeats, Genesis 1, let us make man in our image after our own likeness, created he them male and female. Listen, he made the burly spirit for the man he made the tender, little, delicate, feminine spirit for the woman. I, 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 I'm really holding back saying something here. But now that I've said what I've said, I'll say it. <laughs> you know, every once in a while, we, we had a family, you grow up around the table and you have a good meal and all of a sudden, one of the kids just lets out a good big belch. That's never happened in your home? Listen, I'm sure it happens in the queen's, she's no longer alive, but I'm sure it happened at the queen's table once in a while. Let, let's just be honest, we're human beings. Well, you know, sometimes that, that's all really nice, you know, and then it becomes a contest, you know. One does this and one does that. But what's really sometimes odd is, is when it's the woman that, that lets out a belch and you go, my, that's a dainty little thing. <laughs> Listen, I, I got you laughing, but don't tell me it's never happened. It's happened. We, we've all done it. Okay. I just want to be real here this morning. Is that all right? This is, this is not just some thing. That, no, this is real life. You've never had a food fight at the kitchen table? We had one. Un, unbeknownst, it started by my son when he, he didn't like to eat his mashed potatoes. 
And, you know, and he would always use his fingers with his mashed potato. He said, don't do that. And then, and then he threw his arms in the air, and all of a sudden a piece of mashed potato ended up in my wife's hair. And I, and I was about to correct him, and then I looked at her, and I started laughing. And then he did it again. Well, that's the way it happens sometimes. That, that's, that's living. That's life. It's wonderful. I won't say which son it is, but he's the one doing the presentations today. So, at any rate... He says, now he made the burly spirit for the man. He made the tender, little, delicate, feminish spirit for the woman. Even if she would belch at the table once in a while. Let me just throw that in. You see a woman acting like a man. She's got out of her place. I think it's a shame that women has lost their dainty, feminish place. Now, I, 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 will, I don't want to just make this news, but I, I'm just saying... Nature ought to teach us these things. A woman is not meant to be aggressive. A woman is not meant to take a lead. A woman is not meant to present herself to men and say, hey, look at me. That's the truth. No, you conduct yourself with reverence and honesty, purity, and allow the man to take the lead. Boy, is this ever tough. I didn't think this would be tough. Is this the truth or not? All right, thank you. My goodness. You know, we're we're living in a social media age where you you can trans, you you can you can go beyond these little rules. Well, I'll text this 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 brother. No, I think you ought to hold back and keep your dainty feminish. Yeah, I'm telling you, real life, 2023. Don't just Cross these boundaries. They're they're meant for a reason. Brother Ed, you're sure old-fashioned. That's the truth. The good old-fashioned way is still the best way. Jehovah Jireh. God separated. He took a body, the bride of Christ. And he says, what was Eve? Her and Adam were the same. They were called Adam. They were spirit. When he formed man, the first time he made him in his own image. And God is a spirit. So in the image of God created he him, male and female. And he says, then God formed man out of the dust of the earth and put this dual spirit into him which was the first Adam. So you couple Genesis 1, verse 26 with Genesis 2, verse 7. Genesis 1, 26 was the theophany form, the spirit form. Man existed under one domain, male and female. That was a reflection of God, a part of God. The bride was always in him. She was a part of him, just had not been made manifest yet. That's the truth. That's the truth. He always had a place for her. I, I, I trust that you don't see yourself as just, oh, I hope I can make it. No, if you were in God's mind, in his thinking, you were always a part of him. Now, he, he, he would then in Genesis 2, he took and he formed man out of the dust of the earth and he breathed the breath of life into him so it was one body, one physical body, but it was still feminish and male that were there. Now, then Adam, he had this hunger, he had this desire, 
he watched all of creation. He saw that there was two two bears, male and female. He saw that there was two foxes. There was two dogs, male and female, male and female. And then he's going, hey, I'm only one. How did, the, how did this happen? I, it was a reflection of what God wanted all along. He desired fellowship. And so Adam, he, as he's looking at this, and here the wisdom of God comes and he names all the animals, but he saw that there was no help meet for him. God put him to sleep, and he took a side, a rib out of his side, and out of that he formed the woman. And he brought her to the man. That was God's uh, plan right from the beginning. Now, when Adam came up, Adam looked lonesome. So he took a rib from his side and made Eve a byproduct. He'd taken the feminine spirit out of Adam and he put it in the woman. The love spirit. Feminish. Kind. Gentle. Someone that strokes your head when you come home and gives you the slippers. No, I'm adding all of that in. But faith comes by hearing. There's a reason I'm doing it. So he says, he left... My, now I distracted myself. Here we are. And he says, now, the love spirit, the feminist, the kind, he left the masculine in Adam. If there's anything different, there's a perversion somewhere. They too, now remember, they're always one. So they're not, in, they're not inferior. They work together. Now, let me, let me take this because... Again, let's go to Hebrews chapter 4 for a moment. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews is talking, I, I, I'm saying this because my, my goal is we preach things out of the message sometimes, but they're hard to receive. And sometimes it's because maybe we haven't come to a birth, maybe we haven't come to recognize the role we've been given, sometimes it, it can be the thinking of the world around us. Well, uh, where's my rights? Like, where's the woman's rights? And where's all this? And, and, and we can adopt that when we come to the Word of God. But, Lord, give me a heart like your heart. Amen. Give me let, me, let me say amen to the truth, Lord. Yes. I'm going slow this morning, but I, I'm, I'm doing it for a purpose. So Hebrews chapter 4 as we start reading this, I want to just read this in verse 1. Let us therefore fear. We took the subject on Wednesday, the fear of God. And it's a healthy fear. It's not a scared type of fear. But it's, listen, he's the creator. He's everything. I'm nothing. I'm just thankful he, he chose me. He made life for me. I, I recognize my place under him. He is Lord. He is God. So therefore, let us fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. And he says, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Now, the law in the Old Testament was difficult to keep because it was 
It was only under the blood of bulls and goats. And an animal spirit could not come back on man. So it was only a provision until the time God would send his spirit back into the church. Which happened at the day of Pentecost. He sent that spirit back into the church. And that spirit was to exist and bring us into our place. So now he would say... And, and, and when, you, when you actually can walk, it's a rest. There's no fighting. There's no putting it on. I'm just saying, well, I, I, I got to go out and act masculine today. No, it's just natural. It comes to you. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, I, I, I got to go out and act feminish. Like, I got to, man, it's not what, I, no, it's a rest, actually. It, it, it's just, you, you just say, be it unto me, Lord. This is what you made me. This is what I want to be. And listen, that doesn't mean we put everybody into a box. You know, sometimes the carnal side of it, you know, because we live under the message and we think that to be a masculine, you got to go hunting and fishing and, and, and do all of those things. And, and you know, and Brother Branham didn't like golf, therefore a real man wouldn't like golf. And like, come on, let's get real. I have to preach this because I happen to like golf. <laughs> and I go out with a couple of brothers, and they're with me, and I knew they'd be in the congregation, and they'd be saying amen. But listen, it's not just natural thinking. And, and sometimes even the image that we have of Jesus Christ, is, and the world will portray it. Oh, he's just got this feminine side. It's meek. It's gentle. No, he was all man. Hey, he stood up to the Pharisees. He stood up to the leaders of that day. He was all man. And he still is all man. He's not a baby like they make him at Christmas. He's a mature Christ. And this is a mature bride. And we're coming into a marriage season. Now, so you'll say, not mixed with faith. Verse 3, for we which have believed do enter into rest. And as I sworn into my, in my wrath, if they shall enter in my rest, though the works were finished from the foundation of the world. I, I need to, to drop down a little bit. In verse 6, they could not enter in because of unbelief. And in verse 7, he says, hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So don't just allow your carnal mind, oh, they're on this again today. No, listen, just, just be open with God for a moment. Lord, I, I, I want truth. If, if, just put that, say, Lord, I want truth. And Lord, give me grace to accept truth. And so he says, hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Verse 9, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. He that is entered into his rest... He has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. So this is a beautiful picture of even what happened in the book of Ruth. Ruth, when she came out of a strange land, a Moabite, but she was brought into a place that she didn't even know what was ahead of her. But God knew what was in her. 
And she was a woman, and even though she was outside of the kingdom, outside of Israel, outside of everything, the land she was going to, it seemed strange. How did I end up in this church? How did I end up in this place? And yet, there was something in her from the very beginning. She saw something in Naomi. And Naomi was a type of the Old Testament. And, and, and she saw something in her. And she said, there's something real about her. And she saw that and she decided, wherever you go, I will go. Your people will be my, you're my people. Your God will be my God. That was her deciding. And then when she went back there, hey, it wasn't all over after she decided. But the spirit that was in her led her to something greater. And as she got to the greater, the first thing she does, and she says, well, hey, there's this law that allows me as a gleaner, as a gleaner to go into the fields and we can provide, even though we don't have a lot, but I can glean. And, and as she's gleaning, and there was something about her character, something about her that attracted Boaz. It wasn't an accident she was in the field of Boaz, but there was something that was attractive to her. Friends, there's something that's attractive to Jesus Christ about the bride on earth. And I say it speaks volumes. In the natural, husbands, your wives speak volumes about who you are and what you believe. But I said in the spiritual the bride of Christ speaks volumes wherever you go. People, they ask you, well, how did you, how are you like this? Or what is this? I'm just taking my place. Listen, even if you're not married, and I, I'm just taking my place, and we conduct ourselves. Oh, and it's a beautiful thing. Friends, it's a story that's unfolding before the world. They, they can't put their finger on it. But the life you live, you don't know that somewhere down the road at the judgment bar, they, they did something good for you because of the life you lived, because of what you expressed. You don't know what you're doing when you put the token on, when you do these things, and it's an attraction. They may never receive the message, but they, it will be accounted to good for them. Listen, when Brother Branham would go down the street to a neighboring house and he'd knock on the door of somebody that was an unbeliever and ask them for a glass of water and they'd say, what are you doing that for? They're unbelievers. Yeah, he wasn't in a cult and neither are we. And he says, they're unbelievers. He went, he says, no. And they brought him a glass of water. And he says, maybe that day, God will look at it as good. They gave me a glass of water. That ought to be our attitude. Listen, friends, this is not just, well, you got to be here. You got to do this. You gotta... No, it's an attitude. It's a spirit that's within us. Oh, let it shine, Lord. Let it, let it resonate inside of us. So Ruth... Didn't just glean. But then she took instruction from Naomi. She says, listen, you're gleaning way more than the other people. There must be somebody dropping handfuls on purpose. <laughs> oh, did you ever fail? You just didn't do things right all week and you didn't deserve nothing. And then God comes and he drops a handful in purpose. Lord, I didn't deserve that. I love you more, Lord, than I've ever loved you before. I want to serve you better, Lord. That's the relationship we're entering into. And so now he comes and here's Ruth. 
And finally, here she's decided, she's labored, now she's been obedient, and the last thing she did, after she laid at his feet and he gave her six measures of meal, and she came home, she, listen, she started transitioning. She went from the Moabite to the gleaner, she came into a position before Boaz, and the last thing she was going to be was everything Boaz said she would be. Because if you actually look at Ruth chapter 3, the last verse, and, and, she, and Naomi says, how did you get all this? Who are you? I am all that he said I am. That was her answer. Friends, that ought to be our answer. We're moving into position. We're coming into a place. And so what did she do? What was the last part? And he said, you rest. No, Naomi said, you rest, because he will not stop until he has performed the part of the kinsman redeemer. I say this, young brothers, young sisters, whatever you're seeking from God, you just present yourself as, a, as, as an open sacrifice. And you know what? You do that, and he will work for you. He will come to you. My, my. Let's go, let me read this, Choosing of a Bride. He says, a woman, if she can hold herself right, has a greater reward, what a greater reward she has than a man. Just, just listen to this. She's put on a testing ground, through her came death, She's guilty of death. But when God turned it around and used one to bring life back again, it brought his son through the woman and an obedient one. Oh, there's a part I've got to save for another service. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's read from verse 3. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. So natural relates to spiritual. Let's drop down to verse 8. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman is but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Now it's going into something. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. And then he would begin to say, judge in yourselves, is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Now, you know, to, to not cut your hair can be a rule, but it also can be something that is a reflection of something inside of you. So Paul would go into it in verse 14. Does not even nature teach you that if a man have long hair, it's a shame to him? No, 
the perverted world that we live in, when, when you have every witch hairstyle. I, I grew up in the era uh, when men had long hair. Thankfully, I didn't grow up in the era, era of mullets. <sighs> My goodness. <laughs> I, I got to hold back here a little bit today. And he says, now, nature teaches you. Nature teaches you. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. So it, it, it will not save you, but if the Spirit of God is in you, oh, Lord, let me adorn myself. Let me adorn myself with what's pleasing to you. You know, I, I grew up and in a home, it was a Christian home, and I knew it ought to be that way. My grandmother, she had long hair. She never was a message believer, but she believed in long hair, believed in dresses, believed in all these things. My, um, my great, you know, you go back in the historical photos, they're all, they all look that way, and, 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 and coming down to this, and even I grew up in a home where I knew that, I believed that, I, and in fact, something in me, even when I wasn't saved, it, it looked at that. I remember there was a, a couple of twins. They were from a, a Baptist church that, that my, my parents used to know. And, and they were at our high school. And they walked and they had long hair. And I always respected that, even when I wasn't saved. And then, you know, as, as we had a little circle of friends and there were some guys or some girls. And, and one of the girls comes one day and just had her hair cut off. And I, I was like, why did you do that? in the world. But, but I, I just, why did you do that? And, and she says, well, I just, I saw it on, on a record label of a fashion pop star. And oh my goodness. I says, I liked it better the other way. I said that. Where did that come from? It was actually in me. I, I believe it. It's something that I, is still attractive to me. I still like it. Why? Because nature teaches me that. Go to first Peter chapter 3 real quick, and then I want to just deal with a little PowerPoint subject here. First Peter chapter 3, read this last week as well, but let's just read. Now, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your husbands, that if any obey not the word, they may be without the word, be one with the conversation of the wives. So there's a certain way of talking, a certain way of conduct. While they behold your chaste conversation, coupled with fear. So chaste, that I'm not going to speak about everything. I'm not just going to be froward. I'm not going to just... And listen, that doesn't mean you can't joke. You can't... We're all natured differently. And be yourself, whatever God has made you. And I say this, behold your chase, but recognize the spirit that's in the world that would want to come on us. Even, even let me just take it in a spiritual term. You might hear something about somebody in the church and think, oh man, I, how could they? And then you tell somebody, but what's wrong with being chaste and saying, oh, I'm sorry about that. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going I'm to try and help them. That's chaste. 
that's not just jumping in there. That, that, that's, that's being a part of Christ. That's what we ought to be, spiritually and naturally. So he says, now who's adorning, let it not be the adorning, outward adorning of plating of hair, of wearing of gold, or putting on of apparel. Let, may, may we be noticed, not for what we wear, but for the spirit that we carry. But let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. A meek and quiet spirit. When I was saved and, and I, God had brought me out of the world and, and I, I held my Christian walk for seven years, I was single after I was saved. But this was a scripture I held in my heart of a mate that I was going to look for. This is one, a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, a great price. And I'm thankful that held me, that kept me till I came to that. And I'm grateful that's there. And that's a compliment to a lady in this audience. After this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Now, that, that's been misused. <laughs> there's, there's something, you don't have to call him Lord. You just need to respect and say, God put this man in my life for a reason. And I'm going to support him, and I'm going to help him, and I'm not going to try and tear away. I'm, I'm going to try to take my role, and when I fulfill my role, I know he'll live his role better. And he said, whose daughters you are as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Not afraid. You know, that's, that's the fear of God, but not afraid of, uh, in, in a wrong way. Well, I, I, if I don't let her do this, you know, she won't like me and I'll, I'll just let her. No, let's, let's be men. Honey, this is the way we run our household. This is what we stand for. Let's work together on this. Look, at, there's these influences, but let's stand together. Let's be one. Let's be a team. Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as the weaker vessel as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. A real oneness. A real oneness again. Now, I need to take a little bit of a turn in the service here. Some of what I'm saying today may seem archaic. If you're a message believer, maybe it's common. But oh, let's let it, let's let it be fresh. Because... There is a truth in this that started in the Garden of Eden. And when we see the role of the serpent who was a tool used by the devil to seduce the woman, and that was the introduction of two seeds on the earth. Two seeds, two natures. It manifests in their children. Now, uh, I, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to go to, uh, to something in the future, but these two seeds are still in the earth today. And Satan is a great impersonator. He's religious. He is an imitator. 
He can impersonate. He, 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 will, he recognizes that the woman is a vessel. Now, I, I will reserve some thoughts on this today because I want to plant some seeds. I want to show you how the enemy plants seeds. And Brother Branham would say this, the whole thing is a union. I'm trying to tell you about Christ and the church. It's a union. See, if the woman is the seed of herself, she doesn't need a male. She can have her baby herself, but she can't be. She can't have a baby unless she's been with a male. It takes, it takes the two of them together to make a seed. So the woman is designed to be a vessel that is a receiver. And, and up until the time that she should receive that which is godly and right and in season, she needs to protect herself. She needs to keep herself. And, and I'm saying this both naturally and spiritually. And, and now Satan knew that she was a vessel. Now I, I'm going to need to read just a couple more scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I'll read this. And then we'll go to the PowerPoint right after this, Ethan. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Now, I'm, I'm saying some things without going into a full explanation, but I, I, I trust that you, you, you see it where we're going here. So he says this in verse 1. Second, I'm in first, Sorry. I know I could read it off the screen. I'm just being, I like to go to my Bible too. Would to God you would bear with me a little in my folly and indeed bear with me. This is Paul, the first messenger, and he is speaking to a woman that is also going to be a seed that will bring forth Christ. But he says, I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtility, through his cunningness, through his craftiness, through his almost the truth lie. That your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, if you receive another spirit, which you have, if you receive another spirit, which you have not received, or another gospel, which you have not accepted, you might well bear with him. Now, let me, let me just say this. This is also from the message oneness. And Brother Brandon would say this. As the devil working through the serpent would come to Eve, he may have come hundreds of times. But he says before he ever would have had any kind of a physical relationship, it started in a corruption in the mind. And he says this. What was it? Her thinking changed. Her thinking changed. 
her fellowship with her husband wasn't right. And it says, see, her thinking actually changed and she already had the life of the devil in her as soon as she disbelieved God's word she accepted the life of the devil because she accepted his teaching. Now, may God help us and give us grace. Go ahead and put this PowerPoint on. I want to take this, and I'm going to take it in a little bit of a historical context, and I'm not going to go completely with this, but I want you to see how the enemy has worked. You can go ahead and turn that off, Brother Dwayne. And... Uh, Now, I'm, I'm going to call this the silent invasion, and it's a, it's a bit of a historical perspective, and I want to just put this, and I put some things together. So just allow me, I, I, there's, there's quite a, a lot of study and thoughts that go into this, but I want to bring this, and I've taken some of this from some inspiration that came to me through, through a couple of podcasts I'd, I'd watched and listened, or listened to rather. So, the Civil War, before the Civil War, America existed not so much in urban centers, but they populized the land, they, they, they lived in different places, and it, it was just living off the land, it was like, um, you know, it was the old days when they walked uphill six miles each way to school. Can I say it that way? <laughs> Some of you know what that's about. You've heard that story, right? Anyway, it's not from your father, your grandfather, great-grandfather, somebody. In the old days. Yeah, in the old days, yeah. But then came the Civil War, 1830 to 1865. It was the north, the south. It was fought by religious men on both sides for, for freedom, for principles. And, and, and it was a time when people's ears were attuned to the latest news on the battle and what was going on. And, and so... It started to be the advent of newspapers and information and communication. It started to be something. So in the post-war changes, um, there was the north, there was the south, and things did change. But newspapers gave way to the rise of communication. And communication was, was a means now where it wasn't just news, but newspapers slowly adapted and they became advert advers advertisements. You could sell products. You could influence people. Right. You know how they have a little, uh, they have now in social media, they have what they call influencers. Somebody who will wear a product and influence people to follow them. And they're not shy about saying, we're influencers. Yeah. And, and, and actually big companies pay a lot for influencers. So... So the rise of communication wasn't just news, but now it became business. Not, not just news sales papers, but adv advertising sales papers. So modern marketing began to be war news. It started out, but it began to be mass communications. And it started to develop what was called daily reading habits. People didn't do that before. I wish it would go back to that, actually. <laughs> just to read the good news. Sometimes daily reading habits and advertising. So after that, it also gave way to now when you used to live off the land and 
you know, and, and you, you would have your own crops and you would raise your own food and you have your own things. It gave way to the mass production of goods. Now it was the sale of bakery bread. You, you wouldn't bake your own bread in the morning. It, you'd go down to the bakery and buy it and, and you'd buy canned goods that you could save and you had canning. But now you also didn't just sew things, but you had ready-made clothing and you had medicinal products. So it began to be a mass production of goods. Now, as this came in the market, so did advertising. So advertising came out, and they recognized the biggest target audience was the female. Because the female was the one who brought the household, bought the household goods. She was the one responsible. You can read it in Proverbs 31. You know, she keeps the affairs of her household. Listen, this is, there's nothing evil about this. This is, this is right. This is good. But Satan is a slicker. And so it, 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 it was an influence on the home. And, and, it, and it, you know, Brother Brandon would tell the same thing. He said he's out somewhere in a motel room, and then he sees this TV commercial, and he says, you just put your plate in this dish soap with all of the egg in it, put it in, and they pulled it out, and all the egg is gone. He goes, I'm going to be a hero. And he went and bought the stuff, and he came home, and he told his wife, Sister Mita, just, I got the dishes tonight. And he put the dish soap in, and he put the thing in, and he says, now watch this. He said, just as much egg on it as there was before. Not all advertising tells the real story. They just want you to buy their product. Hey. That's the devil, too. He wants us to buy our product, but he doesn't tell you the end of the story. So it influenced the home. So it gave rise to magazines and publications. And one of the first published in 1883 was called Ladies' Home Journal. And it not only had news, it had patterns, recipes, needleworks, decorating tips... And it also had some fiction. And it also had something that would appeal in the form of romance. Stories and things. So it began to target them. And that was maybe the first edition, 1883. The influences of the magazine began to be advice, opinions, finance, child care, beauty, home care, health. And by 1933, it had a a circulation of one million. Now, 1933, something also happened. (laughs) Down in the river, Ohio. 1933, things started coming together. We'll save that. But this was the Ladies' Home Journal. And it, it began in the 1900s, and it began to be an influence. And an influence into fashions and styles and, and, and things, and, and it would begin to shape the wants that were there or began to appeal to, to certain senses. Madison Avenue was an area in New York which gave rise to some of the marketing firms. And one of the marketing firms had this slogan, a proper study of mankind is men. A proper study of markets is women. 
That, they were blatant. They were open about saying that. Now, lest you think, Brother Ed, you're just saying this for reason. No, I, I took this from a very independent source, okay? This is not just targeted one way. This is a very independent source. So this was, this was what they had behind them. So this company was called J. Walter Thompson Advertising. And this is their slogan, forceful advertising. The strength of the copy often measures the pulling power of the ad. And they said, in preparation of copy, we've had nearly 40 years of practical experience. We can prepare a copy for you that will be strong, forceful, convincing. We can place the copy in publications for your business. We can make it profitable instead of speculation. So this is the advertising company. And this J. Walter Thompson, who was the founder, his wife was in charge of the creative department. And it was composed of primarily women. And they used market research, psychology, and in, in the money-making of the paper, 75% of all of advertising was the money that was coming in for them in that time. It was the advertising age, and it was responsible for influencing a particular demographic. In the end, it shaped the image of women for over 40 years. It began to bring things. Now, listen, it, you, you, you're, you're there today. You probably go home and you'll read a newspaper. You'll look at an ad. You'll read it. That's all part of it. I'm not saying that's evil. I'm just saying watch where these things go. Are you with me this morning? This is, I'm, I'm going slow. I'm saying it's simple because the enemy comes in sub, subtly, unawares. We don't recognize it. So the initial target was household goods. Velveeta cheese, Swift's premium hams, the breakfast bell, cream of wheat. My, how many recognize those pictures? Oh, some of you just dated yourself. <laughs> but it cultivated an image of a happy homemaker. It cultivated an image of a woman who was happy in her household and it was always joyous and gay, gaiety and, and, and it, it began to be something that was, they actually said was crafted. Now, that's a good thing, isn't it? I think the message gives us an image like that, which is a good thing. But it also said it began to be the empowerment of a woman in her home was marketed by products and household essentials that were advertised. So it would be the latest stove or fridge. It would be the latest cast iron or, or, or cooking. And it would be these things. And, and it was domesticated things that were primarily put in, knowing that the buying power... I, I didn't bring all the stats here, but they said at that time the woman was in charge of... 60% um, of the women were in charge of the household finances or 75 or something like that. And, and it was just... Okay, well, I'm going to go work, and you take care of this. And they knew who they were targeting. It was, it was done for financial profit. And it would also have images of speak of the home. You know, Kellogg's, you know, the man sitting there, the snap, crackle, pop. You know, I, I remember growing up with that, and I'd hear that commercial. And, you know, I, I, we, would go, we would go down to the store, and, and I, I heard that commercial, and I, my mom would buy us the cream of wheat, 
because it was better for you. I said, Mom, I want Snap, Crackle, Pop. <laughs> Because I want to hear it. And you know, and she bought it once and we'd pour the milk in and we'd listen. Oh, just, oh snap, crack. I mean, listen, back then we didn't have a lot of entertainment in the home. This was entertainment. So it was good for us. <laughs> oh, the old days. At any rate, so, so this is how marketing happened and how it began to work. But slowly... The advertising expanded to femininity. And, you know, prior to this time, thankfully you live in this time, but prior to this time, nobody used deodorant. No, seriously. You had these clothes that were suppressing deodorant, deodorants that came off of you. But somebody figured out that, hey, we can market soap and it's feminine and, and we can do these things. So, it actually opened a whole new advertising campaign. And so they'd have this Lux toilet soap for smooth skin. It wasn't for cleanliness. It was starting to target femininity. Okay? And then it would, it would have uh, movie stars. It would have, you know, the new look in Hollywood. Young, alive, and radiant. These are all Lux soap. If you have Lux soap at home, this is where it all started. This was the first advertising that came. But it also began evoking passion and fantasy. And it began to, for the first time in marketing, showing a man snuggling up to a woman. This is the first time. Can you believe? This is where it all started. And, and, and then it began to expose new fashions and, and, and makeup and, and, and bringing you know, more promiscuous dress wear into the advertising. And do you see where this is going? Listen, the world around us. I, I'm glad for when I read these Bible stories and I'd see the women of old. When I, was when, when I was born again, that was what I desired. And, and hey, there's a lot of other things around. But this is, what, this is how it all came into the world. It also introduced sexuality into advertising. It brought sex appeal. It appealed to romance, soap, and it actually started to bring some nudity, partial nudity into advertising. It began to put more promiscuous dress wear in. So now this is a different soap, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's showing how, hey, this soap is doing a lot more than keeping you clean. This soap is going to lead you into relationships. Man, that's a stretch, isn't it? Anyway, so it's, it's just saying, beauty contest, your chemical complexion enhances your charm. Listen, are you still with me this morning? This, where are you going, Brother Ed? Like, you're really archaic here. Yes, I am today. It started to go into personal care products and different soaps, but now it, it would identify with Bing Crosby, and it'd say, now, Bing Crosby uses this. Suppose he only sang in the shower, you know, and all kinds of leading things. I, I, I didn't get to this part today, but I'll, I'll save it. I'm, I'm not going to get there. I'll, I'll, I'll come to it. But it began to have an underlying message, and it talked about this deodorant, a long-lasting deodorant, 
You know, unless you start using this deodorant, you'll be beautiful, but you're dumb because you're not using our deodorant. You know, 35 cents, you know, her dress was, rest, was, was, was uh, that's how much the deodorant must have cost. Her dress was wrecked because she never used the right deodorant. Uh, you know, that, all, this was marketing. This is, I don't know, this, this brand is obviously not in business anymore, more, but that's, that's how it all went. And it cultivated this image of a happy housewife. Actually, it slowly started to evolute where she became superwoman in the home. I'm not going to go completely there today, but I'm, I'm bringing something in. And, and along with it, it would bring styles. It would bring hairstyles. It would bring things into the equation. Betty Cropper. Betty Cropper? <laughs> right, that's a good one. Betty Crocker was a fictional character, but many women identified with her. And it slowly started to move from radio, like so it wasn't just reading, but it slowly moved from radio to television to what was the center of the home. Now, you see where all of this is, is leading. And they would have, you know, the advertisements, you know, happy home with a television in the middle of it. And, and, and here, an advertisement for a general electric company television, you can depend on it, and a woman holding flowers and just gazing, looking back at it. What was it doing? It was cultivating something. Friends, when, when you listen to the message, that's why I say listen to the message, you're not just picking words, you're receiving a spirit. We want to receive the right spirit. Now, television images hitting a target audience. So now it was not just what you read in the newspaper, but Betty Crocker, this June 15th at 7 p.m., there'll be a little special or something. And, you know, and it, and it was like in the evening, gather around the television and we'll see what's new and what's the latest. And, and again, here showing a woman, look, dressed in an evening attire around the television. Wow. What identifiable images. But daytime reading, which used to be, you know, when you take a break, don't, don't, from laundry and from, from cleaning and from all these other things, and maybe you read something for a few minutes. Now they realize the television is sitting dormant through the day. Why don't we put reading books into daytime soap operas? Look, look at the cue cards here. <laughs> reading the cue cards, daytime soap operas. And, and now it began to be where they would be immersed in these stories and fiction and and, and now they'd have stars and, and do all of these things. And all along it was planting seeds, you know, maybe so innocent, but planting seeds where something would come in. 1953, this man, Kinsey, wrote a book called Sexual Behavior in the Human Female. And it began to pave the way for the introduction of the sexual revolution. And they would have these things, what you can learn from the Kinsey Report and, and what you can read. So now the target audience was exponentially, it's now it's in newspapers, it's in books, it's in radio, it's in TV, and, it, and it's, now it's just setting the tone. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go further than that with this part today. But let me just back up a step, just so you can have faith in what we have received. Amen. The messenger... This is a picture of Brother Branham. 
But it wasn't just a man. It wasn't just a man born in Kentucky. It wasn't a man with old school ideas. And when you make excuses and say, well, because he was born this way and he was born that way, there was a pillar of fire that identified with him. And that pillar of fire is still here. So he spoke a message called The Invasion of the United States, 1954. And we had all these images, all these pictures, because it was the era of the Cold War, Russia versus USA. And, and you know, now Russia's going to come, and they're going to, no, and they're going to invade the United States. And, you know, they're going to have submarines and tanks and rockets on our shores. And they're going to come up, this would be the images that would be planted in people's ideas. And, and they're going to have soldiers. They're going to overtake our country. And it's, and it's going to be the Kremlin part two. And it's going to be all these things. And our cities are going to go under a darkness and, and such. And it'll eventually end up in a nuclear explosion. It will. But the invasion of the United States, if you read that message, was not on that level at all. It was on a completely different level. Now, look at what the Spirit of God identifies. It identifies, here's the United States, but here's the headquarters. It's Hollywood. It's what is seen in every home through all these states and even back up into here. We're not immune. We're part of it. Now he says, the devil set up his headquarters in Hollywood. He landed there and with his great army hitting Hollywood, California, and he invited the United States with his demon powers. All of our fashions come from Paris. They get into Hollywood on the screens, and little girls and boys and things watch them screenplays. Nice little kitties, fine little fellows, nothing against them. But what was happening? There was a silent invasion. Theaters back in the day. Theaters, people would flock to the theaters. This country, it says, is becoming demoralized. Let me go down to the yellow or the orange or the whatever the color is. Look, friends, it's got so cunning. It comes in so easy till it smothers you down. The devil used to be in fashions. He may not have went out of fashions. He didn't go out of business. I'll tell you, he's still in business. Now he's talking. Just give me a few more minutes. He's talking and he says, look at the cunningness by where he comes. It's the same thing with the church of the living God. If we try to glamorize and fix ourselves up and act like that, he says, people, you don't realize these devils are invading your homes. Now, none of us, we grew up in this area, could even see what was going on. These were seeds that were being planted. He would talk about Ahab. Behind Ahab was a woman. Every which way the wind blowed, Ahab had a sail set. His marriage got him missed up. This woman, this Jezebel, a beautiful woman, but in her heart she was wicked. And down at the bottom he says, you break the morals of womanhood, you break the backbone of the nation. But Ahab, he fell for her because she was pretty. And then, of course, being wrapped up with her like that, he loved her. It caused all Israel to sin and go against God. His wife had caused this. I'm going to come back to it. But it started maybe reading newspapers, radio, television. We didn't think that was happening. But it was happening. And the prophet would say, 
You fathers, you mothers, are you ready to establish an altar in your house? Take the television out. Are you ready to take the deck of cards? Them comic books that your children's reading, preparing their little mind for a blast that the devil's going to give them? Are you ready to establish the old family altar again? I'm going to bypass this. He said, it's the devil. It's an invasion. He's sweeping into this nation like a roaring lion. He set himself down there in Hollywood. I'm just going to hit a couple of high points. The devil has come in. He's told the people these things. And he gets into preachers. He's pattering after Hollywood. They pattern after all these things. Some old woman like Miss K. Starr, nothing against her, an old woman, 50 years old, and her clothes pushed out her like because she was poured in a meal sack. I'm not saying that for a joke, but he says, but a woman who act like that, they stand up and be an example to young American women. It's an indebtedment. He says, a woman, a pretty woman, she's like a rose. She's there to be looked at. She's fine. She's to her husband. That's all right. I believe we, we honor that. We respect that. I told my wife she looked good today, and I meant it. I didn't say it because I had to. I said it because I meant it. And he says, now, let me just bring these few things in. This will border into another service. But the first wave of the women's right movement, the first feminists, some of their standards, the effect of World War I and what's called the flapper area, World War II, the trouser area, and the atomic bomb on the fashion industry. Let me go quick. Setting the stage, it started in the 50s. The second wave, leaders and their standards. Let me go further. I'm going to take a few characters. This was 1793 to 1880, right in the era of the Civil War, right when advertising was. This was a woman named Lucretia Mott. She was a Quaker, an abolitionist, and the first feminist. Her and her husband's opposition to slavery opened the way for her to work in women's rights. She maintained her household. One editor proved, said it's proof that it's possible for a woman to widen her sphere without deserting it. So in other words, she began to look beyond her household. She didn't believe in divorce. These are really good beginnings. They're seeds. This is another woman, 1850 to 1902, right in the same era. She supported divorce. Now it's going a step further. She was part of the temperance movement. She voted in equal rights for women. Charles Finney, the great revival leader's influence, she was in a service. It caused her great unease after hearing Finney speak, and she became terrified of the possibility of her own damnation. He says, judgment seized my soul, visions of being lost, mental anguish. She never... She. Her father and brother-in-law convinced her to ignore Finning's warnings, and she never returned to Christianity again. When she got married in 1840, she had the minister remove the phrase, I promise to obey, in her wedding vows. Where did this start? Okay, I'm, I'm bringing this for a reason. It wasn't this way from the beginning. This woman, she was the first woman to publish a newspaper. It was needed instrument to spread abroad the truth of a new gospel to women. And I could not withhold my hand to stay the work I had begun. She adopted a new costume, loose trousers gathered at the ankles and trousers worn in the middle, topped by a short dress. She began to wear the garment and promote it enthusiastically in her magazine. This is very innocent. Lucy Stone, 1818, again, the same era. She was the first woman to keep her maiden name. 
Women who kept their maiden names were sometimes referred to as Lucy Stoners. I wonder how they got that. Lucy liked the temperance movement. She was a stepping stone. She felt that women should be able to file for divorce if the husband was a drunkard. Her views would later change to marriage for life. She warned against free love. Be not deceived. Free love means free lust. Chorus girls. Brother Branham would talk about it. Back, what was a chorus girl? What was her daughter? A flapper. What was the flapper's daughter? A rock and roll teenage. So he's talking about a progression. The chorus girl, the beginning, was a woman singing or dancing in the chorus of a musical show. April 21st, 1912, at a baseball game. Was a chorus girl there in the picture. Coco Channel. This is a Chanel. Not Channel. It was a Channel, but it was Chanel. The woman named by the name of Coco Chanel completely changed the fashion industry. Her personal life was tragic. Her mother died. She was abandoned by her father and mother, raised by nuns. She had a short career as a dancer and actress, had multiple wealthy boyfriends that financed her hat and clothes businesses. Her early fashions were made out of wool jersey, stretchy knit fabric, not women. And it had been used only for men's underwear. She used it to make clingy dresses. These sexy, clingy styles brought her the beginning of her success. Coco would also make outfits for herself out of men's sports coat and ties. The World War I, Great War changed the role of women in the marketplace forever. More and more young men volunteered or were conscripted into the armed forces. Women were called to fill the roles in factories' mines. And in part, because of the female participation, uh, they extended the suffrage to women in the years after the First World War. I'm getting to a point. I'm moving quickly to, so I can close. This is this Coco Chanel. Uh, here it says, one evening, so this is her fashion. She had what was called a fashion trend, the little boy look. One evening she accidentally scorched her hair with a curling iron. She cut her hair very short and went to the opera anywhere. Her short hairstyle, known as bobbed hair, became a trend. This is all very innocent, isn't it? But what has it brought the world to? And then you have a prophet that sounds archaic when he brings these things. Flapper was a new breed of young Western woman who wore short skirts, bobbed their hair, listened to jazz. I, 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 I'm going to go quick. This is the bob, the hair, hairstyle. I'm, I'm, I, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass some of this. I'm going to pick this up later. Let me just take this part. This was the atomic bomb that hit the fashion industry. 1946, it was called the bikini. A French engineer was running his mother's lingerie business. I don't know how in the world that ever happened. Named his new two-piece atom-sized swimsuit after the testing site of the atomic bomb in the Pacific Ocean Bikini Atoll. The bikini was so tidy, none, tiny, none of the models in Paris would wear it on the fashion runways, so he hired a nude dancer to do the job. She had no qualms about the stroll. And now it's everywhere. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop this, just read this last quote, and we're going to close here. Satan is very subtle. So subtle, a little teeny bit here, a little bit there. He's got plenty of time. So he just runs a little bit in here, a little bit there. And first thing you know, people are gradually moved into it. 
You see, Satan began to cut off the skirts, lower them down, and it'll come to pass. There'll be design one, a little beyond the bikini, bikini, whatever you call it, to a fig leaf. Remember, it'll go straight back. It's practically there now. I wanted to read this one other one. No, it's not the one. There, this one. The political world's gone. The nation's broke. Brother Branham said, thus saith the Lord, it'll never rise. She's gone, like all the rest of the nations. It's the greatest nation in the world standing today, but the very seed of the devil has been planted into the hearts of the people. How it came into Hollywood, how it got into the people, and began to this, you can't tell them nothing. Let's stop it there. You can turn the lights on. Let's have the musicians come. I've kept you a little longer. I apologize. I wanted to get that little part out. Listen, that, this may not be the rallying service that we all go, but the Bible says, be not ignorant of Satan and his devices. We came into this world, we didn't know the culture we were immersed in. We didn't know where we stood in time. We didn't know all these influences. And they were seeds back then. But they've given way to full demonic influences today. When you see men wanting to be women and women wanting to be men, where did it start? It started somewhere. When you see a boy come into a classroom and he says, I need to use the woman's washroom and I'm not even a woman, I'm a cat. And they put a litter box for him. Listen, a lot of school boards are run by women and they're sympathetic to it. Put me on the school board one day. They'll hear it straight. They'll hear it straight. I might only last one day. But they'll hear it anyway. Friends, the world has gone crazy. It's gone into insanity. And you know what? We, we just, oh, that's what the world is. That's, look at how it started. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I can put on a message tape. And I can hear the voice of God. And I can hear a voice that transcends the whole age and time we live in. I want to be a real Christian. I want to be a living Bible. I don't want to be perverted by the things of the world. Listen, you, you might reason in your mind. We can reason. And we can say, oh, I'll never go there. Listen, the minute Eve reasoned, it brought her into a fallen state. We've got to come back to the whole story, the whole absolute that God has given us, the final voice the final word. Let's stand together. Listen, I trust I just left that with you. I do want to get to something in the services, and I wanted to bring some of that out today. Oh my, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Are, are you okay with this this morning? Oh, just, just somebody wave at me, say hi, say something. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> I'm just thinking of something here. I'll, I'll just ask. Everybody just close your ears for a sec. Sister Natasha, there's a song you sing on the absolute. Would you be able to sing that? You can try. 
Okay, I'd, I'd like you to sing that. We're going to sing this song. If you could get ready, I want you to sing that if that's okay. I, I think it's, it's just worthwhile. I like the way that she sings this. Let's sing, This World Is Not My Home. This, this world, world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, what one will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. They're all expecting me, and that's one thing I know. I fixed it up with Jesus many years ago. I know he'll see me through, though I am weak and poor. I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world over in the glory land we'll live eternally the saints on every hand are shouting victory the songs of sweetest rain drift back from heaven's shore and I can't feel at home in this world anymore oh Lord you know I have no friend like I can't. 